All right, welcome back. Here we go, Thirsty Thursday, number fourteen. And tonight we're talking with uh, we have the we have the pleasure of talking with uh, firefighter paramedic Eric Olson from the Ocean City Fire Department and fireman Rick George uh, from is it West Palm or Palm Beach? Palm, Palm Beach, Beach County, Palm Beach County, Florida. Uh, so we have a great show uh, set up for tonight. Give in, give up, or give it all you got. Uh, so we're going to be talking about our mental health, our resiliency. And, and getting, um, you know, making sure we're taking care of ourselves and our crew, um, not just physically, but mentally and, and all of that. So I'm going to kick it around the room uh, as we normally do with our intro. So um, Trevor, you want to go ahead and go from there? Yeah, absolutely. Welcome, everybody. Uh, really thrilled tonight to have both Eric and Rick on here. Uh, know both these guys for quite a while. Rick, uh, go, we go way back to the early, early, early years of FDIC and some of the training around the country. And a uh, great deal of respect for both of our guests on tonight. And I think that uh, you guys need to strap in and buckle up, man. We're going to go in for maybe a little bit of a bumpy ride here and there. We're going to talk about some good stuff and uh, talk about the 600-pound gorillas in the room from here and there. But this great stuff uh, is definitely going to push us forward. So with that, let me kick it over to Bobby, and then we'll uh, get our guests introduced. Hey, uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome, Rick. Welcome, Eric. How you guys doing? Good, brother. Good. Good, good. So a uh, little bit of remnants of this uh, hurricane. Uh, first thing is our thoughts go out with the people in the south that got affected by this hurricane. It's um, these things. I don't say they sneak up on you, but I think the slow movement caused them a lot more problems than what they thought was going to happen. So our thoughts and prayers go out to all those people south that have uh, been affected by this most recent storm. And there's a whole lot more seems to be in the works. So we all got to keep our eye out and, and our head straight. Um, this is a really good topic for me. I, I um, you know, I want to tell a little bit of a story about myself instead of giving an introduction. So I've been about in this fire service for about 32 years now. I've uh, been a volunteer, been been career for, oh gosh, almost 29 years now, I suppose. Um, and um, so I've been around for a while and, and seen some things, but I just want to tell a personal story before we get started because um, it's great to have these guys on. But probably about maybe 10 years ago or 12 years ago now, it's probably been a while back. Uh, I had a couple of fires that were, were, were pretty bad, um, and uh, uh, one was an apartment fire, and one was where a, a trailer was dropped on me, but but at any rate, it, it, I didn't think they affected me at all, and, um, you know, and being a firefighter paramedic, there's also all the, the things that go along being a paramedic, you know, um, you know, riding on those rigs, you see lots and lots of other things um, throughout your career. To make a long story short, um at some point, I started having difficulties, and I didn't even know it. Uh, the, the the insidiousness of uh, stress and PTSD and all those things is you don't know what's happening. Um, it's not it's not it wasn't very apparent to me. Uh, what I noticed was I started having more and more um, claustrophobia and 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 nervousness to act. I guess you could say on fire grounds, things kind of like that. Um, and it got so bad for me. And of course. Back then, there was no mechanisms like we're going to talk about tonight, which is wonderful. So, so back then, you couldn't tell anybody. Um, it was very much uh, uh, inside your inside of my head. So, um, what ended up happening for me was it ended up getting to the point that I was the guy that I loathed, that couldn't make the hallways like I used to, and couldn't do the engagements that I used to be able to do, and couldn't tell anybody, you know. And I was wrapped around fire service guys that we hung out at the bars and we talked about the the fires we went to and the things that we did and stuff. And all of a sudden I was that guy that we talked bad about, you know, 
And so luckily for me, I figured out that I was going to have to get out of this business or try to fix it. Um, with no roadmap, what I did was I, I, I went against the, the symptoms, I guess you could call it. So the claustrophobia, I had a, a friend of mine did HVAC work a lot. And I said, hey, man, if you get a really bad house with real tight crawl spaces, can I help you out? And he, in, within a week, he says, yeah, I got one for you, man, in a really old, like, 1800s house or whatever. Um, and I have a trail underneath there, and it was it was bugging me for a while. But you know what? If you do it for eight hours or, you know, for a couple of days, uh, you just can't be scared of it anymore. You, your mind goes back. It resets for me. It did. It reset and said, you know, it's easy. You're going to get out. You're going to be fine. And so I kind of worked through my problems on my own. But here's the good news. Even though I didn't have a roadmap, I've never appreciated what we do for a living more than I do now. I, I absolutely love what I do and how I look at what we do um, and how I look at firefighting. I look at being a paramedic is in a very fresh light um, because I come out of the other side of that. And I've never felt better about my career. Uh, I've never felt better about what we do. Um, and, you know, those uh, the phobias are kind of gone. I mean, I've every now and then they flash back a little bit, but they're very, very small in my head. And um, I feel great about that. So I didn't have a roadmap and we lost a lot of guys on the way, man. I, I you know, we talked about this another, I think we talked about this another episode, six people that I worked directly with have committed suicide over my career. Um, you know, two of them were partners. So it's very real to me that these stresses are very real for these people. And so it's really glad to talk, but I don't want to take up your time anymore. I want to hear what uh, Eric and Rick have to say. So I guess we'll bounce it over to Eric. Who's um, just started a program up here in ocean city with us. That's been doing a phenomenal job. So, Eric, if you want to introduce yourself, my brother. Sure. Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, I'm Eric Olson. Uh, like Bobby said, I'm full-time firefighter paramedic with the town of Ocean City Fire Department. And uh, I kind of think it's great where I'm at right now because I first, before the fire service, which I probably have the least amount of time on, on the panel, I joined the Ocean City Fire Department probably about 11 years ago. And I've been working there full-time seven years and eight years of part-time. But uh, before that, back in Hartford County, I got a bachelor's in psychology. I worked at uh, Shepherd Pratt Hospital for a while. I did counseling for adolescents. Then I moved to the, the beach, fell in love with the beach, and then life kind of took its course. But uh, um, And now I get the, the pleasure of going uh, back to school So in social work. So I'm uh, happy to do that. So I get to kind of dive back into my old uh uh, my old love. But uh, like Bobby said, uh, I also have another pleasure, and that was to help create and uh, run the peer support team at Ocean City. And we modeled that after the IFF uh, peer support program. And basically, just over the past year, I've done a lot of research. What are the big departments doing around us over the bridge? You know, what's working for them, what's not? And so far, I think we've had a lot of success. It's been up and running formally about seven months now. And uh, I think it's doing a lot of good because the people are calling, people are reaching out. But I think the first thing about mental health, I think mental health just has a, I think the word mental health itself has a stigma. It's, it, it's weird. And I just came up, I just had a very big learning experience. We just had over the summer, this uh, health and wellness initiative where we're, we're we had nutrition, we had mental health uh, tips, we had uh, challenges for exercises and all this stuff. And we took some data before and after the summer. And I administered uh, or passed out uh, one of um, a life satisfaction 
survey that included subscales of burnout and, and f compassion fatigue and stuff like that. And it's funny how reluctant people are to fill those out. I mean, you know what firehouse talk is like. So you get there and you're talking about what you did last weekend, your romantic endeavors, who you're voting for, what you hate, what you don't hate, you know, getting really nitty gritty raw conversations. But if I ask a firefighter on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you? They're like, whoa, whoa, Eric, stop with the personal questions here. So it's like, it was a big eye opener for me that it's just not just PTSD, not just, uh, you know, suicide, the big ones. It's, it's also just people are kind of uncomfortable talking about happiness. So um, I think the stigma is I kind of like we mentioned a couple of days ago when we were making sure our connections were good, that just talking is huge and making it more of a norm just to talk about issues and don't even call it mental health. I think a lot of things we do in the firehouse, we're doing it anyway. We're already good at talking to each other. Just, you know, start really hitting the subjects that are, you know, that are out there so we don't let them go. The important things get missed. That's my intro. <laughs> Thanks, Oles. Rick? Yeah. Uh, my name is Rick George. I worked for Palm Beach County for about 24 years, been in the fire service about 29 Um been on the outskirts of it for a long time. I grew up next to a volunteer fireman in my hometown that I live in now. So I grew up climbing on the fire trucks at the firehouse. And back in the day, they did used to play checkers. And, and there was this huge air raid siren that they would, they would get going when there was a call and the volunteers would come. And then the advent of technology came around and, and beepers came out and they were like this big, you know, and, and uh, they were, you know, I, I, uh, I had a very checkered past. I did a lot of, I lived outside of the law. Um, I don't know why. Um, I grow up with a very strong family. We're still very close, great family values. Uh, it's a very large family. Never heard or wanted for anything, but I was that kid. I was that kid you pray you never have. And um, and there's there's nothing romantic or, you know, cool about that. I'm, I'm just kind of giving you an idea where I came from into the fire service uh, came about after I got sober. I've been sober 33 years and um, it's the single longest thing I've ever done in my life, you know, and, and it's actually pretty cool because it's opened all kinds of doors. It opened doors to the fire service. When I was diagnosed with PTSD 12 years ago, it opened doors for me to be able to talk with people that have mental health issues, um, whether it's PTSD, TBI, um, anxiety, depressive, whatever it is, you know, it, it doesn't matter because people will come to you when, when they know you've experienced something because you're safe, you know, you, you won't be judged. And, and, um, and I get it. I, I do. I get that. So um, that, that opened the door for that and that, which in turn opened the door for me to co-author a book called developing firefighter resilience um, with Bob Carpenter and Dave Gillespie and it, it, it's a performance book. It's a methodology performance book. But those methodologies are the very same ones that I utilize teaching in the me mental health industry. Um, for the se last seven years, I've been working at a uh, at a treatment facility. It's called FHE Health in Deerfield Beach, Florida. And there's a program that we have in there. It's called Shatterproof. And Shatterproof is a uniform personnel program. We don't care if you volunteer. We don't care if you're IAFF. We got law enforcement, corrections, 
We got those industries with initials like FBI, CIA. We got military, um, a lot of active, uh, retired. We got firemen, dispatchers, nurses, doctors, whatever, any type of uniform branch that struggles with um, issues on substance abuse or mental health. Uh, and um, it, it's been it's been just an, an incredible road from a kid that really was just deserved number prison time to a kid that, that I am now, you know, at 62 years of age, having had the honor of doing the things that I've done and walked through the doors that I've walked through just blows me away. And, uh, you know, that, that's that's kind of what keeps me grounded and humble. Um, I, I, while I am a smart guy, I'm not that smart. God has picked me up and put me right where he wanted me. You know, I take none of that glory. I give that all to him. Um, and you know what? God's part of my deal, man. If you got a problem with it, I'm gonna give you every opportunity to get past it. But I will tell you this, don't sweat it. All right. You see me, you can give me a hug. It's not like you're going to catch it like an STD. Okay. It's just <laughs> something that works for me. I work on the physical, the mental, the emotional and spiritual. Um, if, if you don't have all four of those, you have no completeness. You have no unity, cohesiveness. Um, those are some of the things that I was missing in my life. And, uh, married twice because I liked it so much. First time, got six kids, nine grandkids, live in Deerfield Beach, Florida, like to surf and do all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, that, that's good. I'm it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you guys again for joining us as, as our customary thing. Cheers, guys. It's going to be a great show. Um, and, and as we typically do, uh, the conversation just kind of goes wherever wherever we take it. Um, anybody that's watching, if you guys have questions, we can see them if you post them. So uh, post questions. Don't don't hesitate if you if there's something that pops up. If you have our numbers and you're like, hey, I want you to ask this question, but I don't like you don't want to post it on there. That's cool. Shoot us a text and we'll we'll get that in there. Um, yes, yeah, sir. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I got a question. Outstanding. Hey, um, Olsen, you're talking about earlier, and you hit on something that's really important, and uh, I want to throw it into the conversation for you and Rick tonight, is the stigma of getting help. I mean, I've been in fire service for quite a while now, and I've seen it go from where we just didn't talk about it or how we did address and, and talk about things might not have been the most productive, to now they're actually putting um, some of the resiliency training, and a lot of thanks to Rick and his work, into the fire academies where that's a block of instruction where they talk about mental health, physical health, all the things that they kind of bring together. But a lot of firefighters, uh, me and myself included, are reluctant to reach out and get help because they feel they're going to be stigmatized or looked at a different way, and whether that's for future advancement or just you know, the brother or sister that's on the line next to them, uh, they don't want to be looked at differently, or they might enjoy things like, um, you know, hunting, or they might have a, a concealed carry, and like, oh my God, if I go get mental health counseling, the uh, black suburbans and the Jayhawks are going to be coming around my house. So, with that being said, uh, Rick, you had said something the other night, and it, it made me just frame something completely different. We do a lot of training on May Days, and before, like when I first started, you can call a May Day unless your ass was you know, on death's door. You just didn't do it because you know, you're going to be you're going to be the biggest sissy ass around the firehouse. That's right. Now we say. You know, first of all, keep yourself out of a mayday. Learn the signs. Learn learn what's coming down the pipe. But if but call that mayday early, recognize the signs. Call early, call often, and you keep calling until you get help and your ass is out of the building. I'm like, holy shit! That's what Rick was talking about in Olsen the other night. We should be treating this just like a mayday. So to throw it to you guys real quick, 
Um, yeah, that's the best comparison I could get in my mind. Can you guys talk about how to overcome some of that stigma and uh, you, what, what's, what's real and what's perceived? Go ahead, Eric. Okay. Uh, well, I think, number one, we talked about this the other day, and I think Rick helped me to drive it home, is we have to be, number one, be transparent ourselves. I, we can't help other people unless we're kind of vulnerable ourselves. And and I've just finished my fourth year of sobriety, and um, I'm the happiest, All right. happiest I've ever been. I guess me and Rick are the only ones drinking water, I guess. But uh, I thought and, I recognized you in that jail cell. <laughs> But, um, you know, letting people know that, that you know, like Rick said, I, I can talk from experience. I've, I've been, I, I don't know exactly how you're feeling, but I know I've felt some lows and some depths that you might be feeling similar to. So I could be helped that way. Um, but I think you really just have to put yourself out there and just try to drive home. You know, I need to keep on attending events. I need to be out there. I need to show people that life, I mean, I know we're kind of, I kind of trailed off on the uh, substance abuse part, but show people that life is good afterwards. You know, it's not, you know, it, it's beautiful. I mean, cause really actions speak louder than words. I could tell you I'm happy all day, but if I don't look at, I, I don't have a good poker face at all. I mean, people know me. I don't. If I if I'm in a bad mood, you'll know it. If I'm, you know, bitching about a call we had, you'll know it. And they'll be like, they'll be like, Eric, you need to meditate or something. I'm like, you're right, I do. You know, you know, and like even that, even meditating. I mean, it's kind of people look at you weird when you say you do it, but you know, sometimes the people that are close to me, they know the difference. They they see it. So if people see the see the difference in you, they'll probably ask more questions. Um, as far as that goes. And I love that we're talking about resiliency because I think a lot of these things, again, it's Bobby talks about muscle memory all the time and training, you know, throw a ladder, throw a ladder, throw a ladder. And then when it's time to throw a ladder, I mean, you've already done it. You're not even thinking about it, but um, like breathing exercises and a lot of stuff that I'm sure Rick, I can't wait to read his book. Resiliency. I love is it's, it's, it's preventative, like daily skills, you know, the making your bed, the, Writing gratitude lists, you know, when you're stressed out, knowing breathing exercises, getting a lot of sleep, taking walks, you know, doing something for yourself. I mean, all these things add up to a foundation of, of resiliency, of making you more, uh, you know, better to handle the, the stresses of daily life. But I think, number one, to get the stigma out, the people that are helping have to put themselves out there. And uh, you keep on reaching out. I mean, addiction is a, is a, it's brutal. I mean, the success rate is not high and you can't take it personally. You just keep on trying and keep on making yourself available. And and I guess to hit on what you said, Trevor, you, be, you began with, uh, with being afraid to reach out. I was afraid to reach out. I was afraid I was going to lose my job. I mean, whether that was a perceived or real uh, consequence, I really didn't want to confide in anybody. I also kind of thought it was common knowledge, but I didn't realize, what, you know, people didn't really know what you're going through. But the peer support team for us, and I know Bobby's heard, our spiel is even though we're not clinicians, if you call or contact a peer support team member, it is confidential. We are making our team sign a confidential confidentiality agreement. And we have, we have the wonderful backing of our, our uh, command staff that it's going to written in our SOG, our peer support SOG, that if the peer member has been found to have violated your confidentiality without good reason, like you're a harm to yourself or others, or, you know, all this stuff, you're kicked off the, not only you kicked off the team, you're going to be um, subject to um, disciplinary action. 
So violation. you really got to know that, you know, you know, we're not clinicians. We take our job as peer support members very seriously. We want to help and we wouldn't be successful if they knew we were going to blab to somebody else. So I think that might help people talk maybe a little, you know, Rick, what do you think? I think that the stigma, um, you know, which is an, an, an interesting term, right? Because it's a, it's a visible indicator of a, of a disease, dis-ease, right? So maybe the, the stigma isn't more than, maybe it's misnamed, maybe it's an embarrassment or shame, okay? Why, why let, let's put it in perspective. Why is there no stigma about the lack of leadership that we have in the fire service? Why is there no stigma around why we let men commit suicide and, and, and destroy families through alcohol and drugs and, and lose their careers and all kinds of stuff. Why, why don't we, we're real big. Like you remember, remember the stigma that you would get? Well, Bobby, Bobby may remember back in the day, you didn't put an air pack on. It was a stigma, bro. You know, right. You didn't put an air pack on. You were weird. You know, now you don't do anything without an air pack on. You're an idiot if you do. Okay, um, but, you know, we we uh, we do a lot of stuff in the fire service. Right. When we go on fires, we, we 360 our buildings. Why? So that's so we can get an advantage to anything that could go wrong so that we can keep our people out of harm's way and mitigate whatever the problem is. We should be 360 in our people, too. You know, and, and it's very simple. We discussed it, you know, when we did the 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 thing the tune-up before and i mean we have a uh, in in palm beach county we have a uh, an annual mental health day right or an annual medical physical so everybody goes on their birthday and they go in they got to do this medical physical if you don't do it by your birthday month you're an out-of-pay status and so you have to complete all of this stuff and i tried to get them to put a mental health check in because you have to do a little bit of typing on the computer when you get there and I, a mental health check-in. You start getting a baseline on people. Start asking questions. It's kept strictly confidential, just like your medical records. It's part of your medical records, and it's not associated with admin. I believe, and it's been my experience, and I have seen cops and firemen and, and every discipline, they're more concerned about losing their career because their admin will not cover their ass if they come forward and say that they have something wrong. That speaks to the leadership or lack of in this country, in every discipline. When your people are worried about that, then you don't have their best interest in mind. Why are you there? Why are you there? You're supposed to be leading our men and women and making them as strong as possible, helping them. It's a brotherhood, right? You're supposed to be binding people together. That doesn't work like that. You know how it is. In some departments... If you're if you're well liked, you're covered. But if you're not, you're screwed, bro. You're screwed. You know. And and in good departments, everybody's looked at equally, like they take care of you. I'm losing everything. Are you back with us, Rick? Yeah, I can hear you. I saw you all drop off one at a time. I figured <laughs> my interconnect, my internet connect. The running joke among people I know, they say the guys in Afghanistan got a better freaking connection than I do. So. <laughs> And he said interconnect. <laughs> oh, and, and I wanted to say and I wanted to say that that what you were talking about with the stigma, remember something. 
people that have these, oh, damn, am I back yet? Can you hear me? All right. Yeah, you're good. All right. All right. So people that, that have these alleged stigmas, right? They come out and do incredible things like black rifle coffee. They do nothing but do stuff for veterans and they, and, and, and they keep giving back. They keep giving back by the skill set that they've learned. That skill set that they've learned has led them in a certain direction. They understand that to be their purpose. When you have a purpose in life, you can not only will you be successful, but you'll be fulfilled. Is my, my internet really that bad? No, you're good, man. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was all that was all clear for us. All right. We, we just got a comment um, from Justin Cassell, and I just threw it up on the screen, but um, talking about in the in the um, you know in the past we you get back from the call and you'd be busting somebody's balls and um, you know in, in the long run is that is that leading to to making things worse you know it's the same thing like what Trevor was talking about you call that mayday and you know you you were getting low on air and you're you're less likely to potentially call that in the future is it is it the same kind of thing and I think the more that we educate. Um, that we, that we help with this or like, what, what do you guys think about that? So Eric, would you agree that there's, there's a, a very, there's a line between ball busting and being a jackass. I can listen, I can get with my boys and I can bust their balls and all that all in humor. Right. And especially I run groups with 15, 20, 30 guys in it. You know, there's eight personalities from all four. And we bust balls, man. I, I know exactly what he's talking about. That's just being a jackass. Oh, I totally agree. And I think it's a slippery slope. I mean, everyone knows you can walk into a room and get your balls busted, but there's a difference between ball busting with love and there's a ball and balls busting. It just, just seems toxic. And, and, uh, and also it gets to the point where it's the, it's the culture. It's what, what kind of, what kind of environment are you fostering? I mean, if, and I get it in too. If you get on a negative run, man, just like the stock market, man, those stocks fall quicker than they climb. Like you can get in this negative, uh, you know, downward spiral quick. So it's okay to, to bust balls, but if that's all you're doing, even if it's meant out of good fun, it just kind of gets to the point where, dude, it, it takes whole, takes crews down. It doesn't take just one person down. So uh, I think you'd really have to be conscious of that. I think Justin's right. It totally, uh, can have a long-term effect. People don't want to come to work. I don't, oh, I don't want to work with that guy. I know I'm, he's just going to bust my chops every time I walk in the door. Even if he means in good fun, I don't feel like it today. And everyone doesn't know what they're doing, what they're going through on a, on a daily basis in their head or at home. I mean, sometimes you don't want to deal with the, the you know, busting everyone's chops. So I think you're right. There's definitely a line between being a jackass and not. But I do think just as far as the negative comments, they're um, – Here's an interesting thing. When I was doing some research on some of the uh, teams across the bridge, there's one department that had an SOG that you're not allowed to talk negatively about a call when you come back. And I thought it was quite interesting. I mean, and they used the example that, you know, say someone comes back and says, oh, man, that, you know, that heroin junkie, he didn't deserve us to give him an IV or whatever the call, what it was. Say someone in that room had a brother or a brother-in-law that was dealing with, with addiction. I mean, you never know what someone else is dealing with. So they had a flat out look at we're not going to we can critique calls, you know, on a, on a basis. But we're not here to bash the clients, our patients, anything like that. So that was just the being aware of, of just promoting negative. And I think I think positive in the end, you know, is a lot more powerful. 
I like the I like the use of humor. I'm, I'm sorry, Bobby. I like the use of humor, but when it's used in the form of punishment, you got to draw a line. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I think you know one of the things Trevor and I did some um, officer classes. We talked about leadership and things like that. And one of the things I always talk about is 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 of all through your whole careers, your vocation, whatever you've done. You know, who are the best leaders that you ever remember? Who are the people that just stuck in your head? The school teacher you had in middle school, the the fire chief you served under, the lieutenant you're working with, the firefighter you're with, you know? And and one thing that I found for me was it always had an equal amount of praise to criticism. And I struggle because as you get jaded in this career, as you go on, you tend to get a little bit more negatively based. Yeah. It's just a human instinct, you know what I mean? And and it's it, it's more difficult, believe it or not, for firefighters to give compliments than it is criticism. <laughs> Much more difficult. It's probably four times harder for a firefighter. To it's say, probably even harder for a firefighter to accept it. Than it is to say why. It's probably even harder for a firefighter to accept it. Right. Yes, same thing, same thing, same thing. So, you know, um, and I think I think Rick and Eric, I think you both nailed it on the head. There's a huge difference between having good fun at the firehouse about how things go wrong and and using it to damage somebody. And a lot of the guys veil damaging their coworkers as humor. And, and we all know it, we all see it, you know, we kind of go through it, you know, and as, as a lieutenant... You know, when things don't go right, um, yeah, I, I can't say I don't joke about it and say things about it. But also, I always try to offer how to get nice. to the next step and not do that mistake again. You know what I mean? So you got to add that positive with the negative. I think hiding from it and saying we totally ban any negative talk and stuff like that. Well, that's just that's to me, that's an impossible dream. Um, however, uh, we do need to be cognizant of each other that. And I think Eric said it. You don't know what the heck these people are going through, man. You know, they might have had a hard week with their wife or they might have a sick kid at home or they might just been having a tough time with other bosses, other places, whatever it may be. You just don't know. So we got to try to throttle ourselves a little bit, too, with it, because negative is very easy for us to do and the positive is not easy for us to do. So I say, hey, we all try to throttle back the negative a little bit and try to throttle up the positive a little bit and then the firehouse will be a better place. And, and Bobby, to that to that end, um, I really want Rick and uh, Eric to chime in on this as well. You know, as as an officer, even if you're the senior man on the shift, senior man, senior woman, uh, your lieutenant captain, whatever your position is, doesn't matter. But people are coming to you. And you know, if they do come to you, then it's become your problem. And sometimes they're a little bit reluctant to do that. And we understand why. But uh, part of our conversation was before. And Rick, I, you hit the nail on the head. There's got to be trust in the leadership. There's got to be confidence that the leadership is there to help you. Um, but you got to be able to help yourself a little bit too. And here's what I mean by that is, you know, I've, I've had partners, I've had people that I know are good firefighters, good paramedics. They give 110% and they've got something going on, none of my business. But then when they start effing up at work, then it becomes my problem. And I can go to them and say, Hey, look, we have brother, sister, you, you're not, something's not right today. You want to tell me fine if you don't find, but you know, you need to go home. You're sick. Take some time, whatever time you need, get your get your poop in a group and then you come back because if you keep screwing up, I do not want to see someone who's an excellent firefighter, excellent paramedic for the other 364 days a year. Totally just screw up a career 
for a day that they they just weren't thinking straight and came into work when they should have taken some time off. And you know, we call them mental health days. And I believed in them. And I I remember and uh, you know, people we would call up sometimes. And I guess I've been retired long enough they can't come back on me for this. But <laughs> hey, hey, Cap, I need to take I need to take a mental health day. Understood. None, none of my business. You take that time off. You know, if it if it if it goes past policy or whatever, we'll talk about it. But you know, do what you got to do to get your stuff straight. So. With that being said, um, part of building that trust, this goes back to a little bit of Justin's comment. Uh, I had shared a story with the guys that, you know, earlier, early on in my career, we had a pretty uh, significant call where, and this is when the, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? Not the, uh, I'm having a brain cramp. Well, all, all the uh, CI, uh, CISM stuff, uh, oh, yeah. critical instance stress management, CISD. And they ordered us at the end of the shift to go uh, sit down and talk to a psych nurse from the hospital. She'd never been a nice lady. Did you know, She tried everything she could. But here's a bunch of tired firefighter paramedics. You know, we dealt with things kind of in our own informal way. and But instead, we were ordered to go. We were already pissed off. We're already tired. We're already hungry. And then on top of that, we have this, like, you may be feel, having some feelings. And we're like, lady, look, thank you for what you're trying to do. But please just let's, let's roll through this so we can get home. So it, it did a world of damage to us. So that, that whole generation of us that was in that room, from that point on, if we heard CISM, CISD, we're like, what a bunch of horseshit this is. Yeah, exactly, Rick. The, the walls went up. So it was the way and manner it was going about. I'm glad to see me going forward. But um, mm -hmm. from your guys' perspective, you know, I think it helps when we have the ability to talk across from somebody. And just like your Shatterproof program, Rick, where – you know, you might not have directly worked with that person, but you know they've been down a hallway. You know they've been on that call. There's one of our viewers here that came in and did some uh, CISD things some years later when we lost one of our junior members in a, in a vehicle accident. And I was on that call that night, and I've never worked with her directly, but she's been on that same call somehow, somewhere during her career. And it was a night and day difference from the people that were sent to us versus what we were sent to earlier on in our career. So I'm glad to see it evolving. But where do you see things now? And do you, do you have to have that crash and burn story? Because a lot of guys are like, ah, I haven't crashed and burned. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And they kind of deny where they are. I've done the same thing. I'm probably still doing it now. But you, do you have to wait till you crash and burn to get help? Where, where are we in the evolution of everything? I, I think it's cumulative. First on this one. I think it's cumulative. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's one call. I, I think that. Um, I think it can be one call. I mean, I think if you're caught, if you're a citizen or a civilian, you're caught in the shooting, the Batman shooting out there in Aurora, Colorado. Yeah, I, I think you can walk away with it. I think that women that are sexually assaulted or abused. I think yes. Um, I, I think people that are mugged and stuff can that happen? Yes. But in this career track, I believe it's a accumulation of things. It's going to be, you know, it, it was never the gore. I mean, it was always the family's reaction. It was always the cries, the screams, you know, the smells. It, it was, you know, hearing somebody beg God to make their dead loved one come back. It was always, you know, people walking around with that thousand yard stare where you know they're having an out-of-body experience. They're there, but they're not there, you know, and, and they're, they think it's like, this is a bad dream. I'm going to wake up. And, do you know what I'm saying? I think you have enough of those, bro. 
it's just a matter of time before something resonates and, and you make the association with you. You have a tendency of looking at your life and looking at how, you know, whenever you're facing your own humanity, you know, when you're facing your own life, you, when you realize, oh, shit, this is this is big stuff. And it takes it to a different level and it shifts it. And you haven't prepared yourself for the mental, the emotional and the spiritual side. And all you've got is the physical. Guess what? Pick the phone up, make a phone call and get some help. Because what you're lacking is training in some very significant areas. It's not that you're, you know, I usually tell guys, listen, I got good news and bad news. The good news is you're normal. And the bad news is you're normal. You know, you've just never been prepared for where you're going. And that's what our motto is. Our motto is preparing the mind for where the body's going to have to go. You know, but I think any of you guys can testify to that. I agree. Um, There's a great, most of you guys know or have seen uh, Paul Combs' illustrations. And the one that hit home the most, or one of the ones that hit home the most was, based on an experience he said he had, but um, when I read it, it was a firefighter in a job shirt, some guy sitting next to him in the airport. It's like, oh, so what's the worst thing you've ever seen? And all the uh, spectral figures, all the ghosts, are like, which one of us are you going to tell him about? And uh, very true, Rick. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, I mean, if I could just add on that, I, I agree with Rick. I mean, definitely cumulative. I mean, it could, could be one event. Uh, I like to uh, it was a uh, Howard County. Uh, G. Bear explained this to him. He's he was in. Uh, he does their academy, uh, their their uh, education. But when the new recruits come in uh, for mental health and for resiliency in general, and he was saying whether someone throws a two hundred pound dumbbell at, dumbbell at you and you grab it and it rips one of your tendons in your forearm, or if you do like one hundred and fifty reps and you hurt yourself, then it doesn't matter. It's still an injury, whether it happened you know right away or it happened over too many reps the result is the same and they really do know, I mean, that this is, this changes the brain chemistry. I mean, PTSD alters the physiology of your brain. And uh, I mean, and Rick works in the treatment center and he sees this a lot more than I do. Um, We were fortunate enough recently to have um, uh, a guest speaker come talk to our peer sport team in Ocean City, but to hear, um, you know, firsthand, the you know what someone goes through and and, and the treatments for it and you know a firefighter that's been doing this for a long time and and and, and an EMS provider and that's in our business and to hear you know that they can get through it and that you know and it's important to know those trainings know that what people are saying and and know what you know, called arterial bleeds you know when 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 someone's saying something whoa that's a that's a priority one what that person just said you know but um, yeah. We're still learning more about PTSD, but it's, and it's only, I think that I'm glad that we're talking about it now because there's, there's a lot of good research out there showing that these treatments, these non-invasive treatments over short, short periods of time can help so much. Uh, but uh, we just got to know that it really is, you know, something that happens and everyone's cup of sorrow is different for different people. You know, what's going to fill my cup's not going to fill your cup. That's right. And at different points in our lives. I mean, I'm not the same person today I was yesterday. I mean, life just constantly changing. So tomorrow might hit me. But I, but I, I, as soon as you said that, Rick, you know, it's the families. I mean, I can remember this one time and just 
like I can pop that in my brain like that because it was people. It brings you right back, don't it, man? Friends I knew when I was working in the restaurant business, and see his his wife pass away. I mean, I can hear his screams. And you know, maybe the right event again will combine that and make some reaction I don't know about. I mean, the thing is, there's more happening that we don't know than that we do know. So that's what I had to add about that. The um, there's a guy. His name is uh, Nicholas Dogras, and uh, he the, he has a child, and his child is severely brain damaged, and they tell him that he's not going to survive, and if he makes it to 15. He will be in such a state that um, he will have to do everything for him. Feed him, bathe him, clean, wipe him, clean him. I mean, everything. And uh, he ends up meeting the right people and creates this machine. And uh, I, I don't know the technical name of it, but it's um, his name is Nicholas Dogris, and he's the uh, he's a neurologist that's in charge of we have that equipment at our our facility at FHE health and, and um, we do mind mapping. So when Eric is talking about the way the brains change, yeah, it does. It changes. It's just like a fighter's face. You keep blocking with your nose. It, you're going to see the changes, your chin, the scars, everything else, all the external stuff. It happens on the inside too. And, and, it, and if, and if you're struggling with the idea of that, think about football players over the years when they finally came up with this concussion syndrome, right? and how the brain has just hardened and it doesn't, it loses neuroplasticity. Well, Nicholas develops this machine for uh, neural stimulation where they give you um, very, very mild electrical stimulation to your brain to wake up the parts of the brain that go to sleep. Because when you have PTSD or TBI or anxiety, we're typically, we're very prefrontal. Everything has to make sense. You know, we're very pragmatic. Okay. If this happens, this happens. And if that happens, we're going to do this. And so we have, a, we have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, right? That, I mean, we carry that with us for the rest of our life. That's been ingrained of us, ingrained in us over repetition. Well, it's the same way it shows up in the brain, right? <clears throat> and so, thank you, baby. And so when it, when it, when it shows up in the brain, um, it alters the, the biology is what I call it. It alters the brain completely and the chemistry, the release of the hormones, everything. So this neurostim wakens everything up and tries to recreate a balance. Well, he did this with his son who is now in college and completely self-sufficient. And that's the story behind this equipment. So, you know, and now you listen, you believe what you want. You know, I know there's a lot of smart people, but God's got his hands all over this, you know, and, and he's watching out for us. You know why? Cause God loves fools and drunks. And there's a bunch of them in the fire service. All right. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> What's the next question? Keaton Conner, I like it. Can we can we go back or kind of circle back to um, something that Trevor had mentioned was, um, you know, you, if you're that supervisor, the someone calls in and says, "Hey, I'm, I need a mental health day," or um, you know, you see somebody and you're like, "Hey, man, like, I know today's not your day. Why don't you take?" Take today, go home, and we'll try it again tomorrow. Do better, you know. Um, and and I and we talked a little bit about Sunday when we did our test run. Um, but you know that that person comes to you and says, "Hey, you know, Rick, I need to talk to you as a friend. I can't talk to you as lieutenant. I can't talk to you as the captain, or whatever. But I need to talk to you, man. Like, how does um, 
how does that conversation change versus, um, you know, them coming to the officer? You know, I, I know there's, I think that also kind of goes back to that stigma we were talking about too. You know, if I, if you go and you talk to the captain, you go and talk to your Lieutenant that requires them to take action to, you know, maybe go down a road that they wouldn't necessarily need. They wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable with, but if they come and talk to Rick, they come and talk to Trevor as, as their friend, um, you know, that, that gives them a little bit more leeway and it gives them a, maybe a little bit more privacy outside of the department as well. It's all about trust and control, you know, and, and Colin Powell says that good leaders can see around the corner. Um, and, and that's the truth. See, because a good officer will know if he's got somebody there, he's going to say, Hey, listen, so-and-so looks like he's, you know, he's a little sideways. Can you have a conversation with him? I don't want to know about it. Just, I'm just pointing something out or that person comes to you to talk to you. Um, that's what family does, bro. You know, that's what family does. You know, I, I, I went, I went uh, real quick, a real quick shout out to Mrs. George over there. This is the best coffee I have had all day long, honey. Thank you very much. Cheers. Uh, there we go. Everybody's cheering. You. Um, actually, they want four more Cuban coffees. So, um, so it, the, the, the point is, is that, that, that leadership and that family role, it, it actually meshes very nicely together because if you've got children, you know that it's the same thing. You try to mold and guide your children. Eventually, they're going to have to walk on their own, but it's our responsibility to do the best we can to set them up. And it's the same by setting that, setting that, what would you call that? The climate. Thank you. Setting the climate for and the tone for allowing that type of thing to happen, Ben. Because if, if we can't have that kind of transparency and we don't know when to shut the F up and stop the bull busting, right, then it's about you you being immature. So there's an emotional immaturity or anything like that, right, a, a mental or emotional immaturity, or you just don't know and you haven't seen it. And that's when a senior man or somebody just needs to pull them aside and say, hey, it's time for you to, you know, STF you, you know, and, and learn. <laughs> Listen. All right. You got two ears and one mouth. There's a reason God did that that way. OK. Um, and, you know, I don't I don't I think it's I think that if you don't have that component that you're talking about, Ben. It's a mistake. It's a big mistake. It, Absolutely. And, it's, and it comes with a high cost. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And I think the other really important part of that is having someone that you trust. You know, if I'm struggling, I'm going to go to somebody that I that I know that I trust implicitly. Um, and, and like Eric mentioned at the beginning, you know, it, the confidentiality um, of all of it, like I know that if I go talk to Bobby, to Trevor, to Eric, to, to Rick, that it's not going anywhere else. You know, they're in it to make sure that I end up okay. You know, whereas if I go talk to, if I go, go talk to Joe Bob, Joe Bob, tell, tell a friend, tell a fireman, like it's going around the firehouse quicker than anything else. You know, mm -hmm. so having, having that, those people, those mentors, those people that you trust, you know, we, you know, Bobby and Rick and I, and Eric and I, we haven't worked together in, in over two years, Trevor and I, we haven't worked together in how long you've been in Florida now, four years. Like we haven't worked together in, in four or five years, you know, and I, I would trust all of you with my life. If we got to crawl down a hallway, if something happens to me and I'm in the back of the ambulance and you guys are taking care of me, there's not a question in my mind that everything is going to, you guys are going to do the very best that you can. But 
at the same time, I know that if I call Eric up, hey, man, I got to talk. Could be about anything that I know that it's staying with him. You know, and the same thing with with Trevor and Bobby and Rick. Like, I know. So you have to have those people and you have them. Everybody has them in the firehouse, you know, and you have to take that time to 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 trust them and to to mentor those relationships. You you mentioned something that's a great analogy and Trevor, Eric and Bobby have all talked about it. And um, we, we so you, you trust there's people that you trust your company to make the hallway, to do the rescue, to make the grab, to take the top off a roof, to force a door, to do whatever it is that needs to be done, to not abandon me when I'm the guy on the hose because it's getting hot, right? So it, it's the exact same type of training. It's the same methodology. It's just redirected in another way. So uh, I'm jealous because Eric will talk about it Uh because he's successfully pulled off putting it into the, the academies. If that is taught on the front end, not only does it help your mental health, it affects your performance. It makes you a better fireman. It makes you a better operator. You know, it, 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 it improves situational awareness, critical thinking, rapid pattern recognition. It, it, it has the exact same effect. It's just the way it's directed. And, Eric, you you gotta you guys have that at, at you you ins- did you institute that at the academy there? No, no, we don't have it in our academy yet. Uh, but uh, I know that it's done in like some of the bigger counties. I mean, bigger departments across the bridge. But uh, I think we're gonna get there. I mean, I, I think we are. So we've only had this less than a year now. This program, but I think we're getting there for sure. Good, that's um, a big deal, bro. And, and I think what you mentioned too, and a second part of that is also. We've already talked about management having their having you know the backs. It also is changing the culture with afraid to call out sick, you know. And I don't even like the word sick. I mean, mental health day. But you can see on like our our the, the template we use uh, for scheduling. It says right under there, you know, Eric Olson took off because he's sick. And sometimes they'll want to know a reason why. Oh, because his daughter. I mean, and everyone can see it. So we really got to start working towards that as far as confidentiality and anonymity there, like, I don't need to give you a reason. You know, I know in Maryland, you do not have to give them reason for the first three days. Done. No, no, nothing. I mean, they give, you can have department policies, but I can just say I'm not coming in, not feeling well. That's right. Not, you could, I, think, I think not feeling well sounds a lot better than six. Six got or, stick or, with it, you know. Maybe if we just classified it differently and said it's a personal day. Right. And I wish we had that just paid time off. It could be whether you're sick, whether it's holiday, whether it's vacation, it's just paid time off. But, you know, you got to crawl before you walk. But, That's uh, right. Yeah, you're right. But I'd like to get to that point that people can take the mental health days that, are, like Trevor said, are crucial. They're, 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 they're vital. I mean, you know you have days with your family at home when you're like, guys, can we bag our plans today? I just want to stay home with you guys. And if that's what the family needed at that point in time. Sometimes it's not the best idea to go to work. And that's just the nature of the beast. You're giving 25 years, 30 years of your life to someplace. I think you're entitled to some wiggle room. You know, hey, the, you the, studies, the studies even show that shift work is a class A carcinogen or a type one or whatever. It's a carcinogen. And they show, the studies show, um, I don't know if you've heard of James Gearing. He does a podcast called Behind the Shield, but he's very big on the sleep aspect. And it's the recovery aspect that's important. And then they're saying it takes 72 hours for you to recover from a sleepless shift. 
Yeah, Bobby did a lot of research on that. Yeah, and and they did studies where they showed that even twenty-five-year-old kids who who work in two jobs, twenty-five-year-old kids start showing coronary artery disease because he was being woken up in the middle of REM sleep. It's terrible on the body. You know what happens then? The cortisol level comes up. Yeah, and you know what the byproduct of cortisol is? Systemic inflammation. Yeah, and that's that's organs. Yeah. You know what? You know what the number one killer of firemen is? Heart attack. Systemic inflammation is directly related to heart yeah, attack and the, and the severity yeah. of it. It's I wanted to, cycle. if I could, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the, the leadership part of this thing. Um, I think we're all very familiar with a shotgun approach to uh, management styles, where one person does something and the management shotguns out. I think everybody's aware of that problem, and though we haven't solved it, I think we're very aware of it. There, there is another problem, and that's I call it a friendly fire problem. And so mm. we're talking about people calling out sick. Um, managers tend to get upset by numbers. So they see numbers of X amount of people are calling out sick from the fire department across these four shifts, or this shift is worse, or whatever. And what happens with the friendly fires, let's say Eric Olson never calls out sick, but he just happens to be at the time where they've decided to crack down on this thing. And so as leaders, we have got to understand that that first three days should be free. If it becomes a problem, you'll know it's a problem. And then you talk to the person about, is there something going on at home? Is there anything going on at home? You know, those types of things. But as managers and leaders and fire departments are taking that call, we all know that guy, like, you know, you get ready to call out and you might be sick. You might be injured and you look at you. Oh, my God, I got to call this guy. You know you're going to get the third degree. You're going to get this, and you're going. Why, 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 why can't you come to work? And oh my God, I got to fill this shift. And you know it's a weekend and whatever else. Um, we as managers and leaders of the fire department have got to allow these things to happen. And I call it friendly fire. It's where you get pushed by numbers and other things, and it just happens to be that guy that ends up on the end of that the end of that that gun barrel of, oh, this is what we're going to crack down on this now. So the guy that called out 18 times before to piss him off wasn't the one that called out this time with Eric Olson and Eric Olson got in trouble. And that's, that's from the management side of things here is we got to kind of let things go a little bit. People have sick leave because they're expected to use it. So, you know, if they abuse it, that's a whole different thing, but they're expected to use it. Let these guys have a break as managers and let them call in and let them do their thing. And if it becomes a problem, you'll know it's a problem. It's just like a, they argue about whether you go inside houses on fire or not. It's very obvious what houses you shouldn't go in. You don't need to have a committee meeting about it. And it's the same thing with sick. If you if I'm a sick leave abuser, it's going to be very obvious to the managers that you're sick leave abuser. Uh-oh. Oh, How'd yeah, you so do that? that? <laughs> that Anyways, that's, that's just from the, the yeah. leadership side. Trevor, you want to talk about it a little bit. But, I mean, it's just leadership side of things is give these guys a little bit of a break, man. You know, I mean, sometimes people just do need a day off. And Bobby, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, I started to mention it before. There's a point in time when someone's someone's absence, someone's personal issues, when they bring them into the firehouse as that officer, that leader, it goes from, okay, they're talking to you as a confidant, but then you have an obligation to go forward with it. I look at it very simple. It's just like that lieutenant, that seasoned lieutenant who's taking a probie down a hallway. That's uncharted territory. They've never been there before. It's dark. It's scary. It's hot. They don't know what the hell is going to happen to them. So, hey, hold on to my coattail, kid. I'm going to be your guide. I'm not going to let any harm come to you. Just follow my lead. 
that's what you should be doing as, as that officer, as that leader. If you have a sick, a sick time abuser or that guy that you know is you know going to call out sick and game the system all the time, take that rifle approach like you're talking about, Bobby. Don't let everybody have a pellet in the whole department. But that's that's what you should be there for is give that guidance because they don't know. If, if everything was going super freaking wonderful in their lives, they wouldn't be having that issue. So obviously something's not right. When a firefighter, paramedic, EMT reports to work, you need them to be there mentally and physically. And I push on my folks all the time. Number one priority today, operational readiness. That's you, your gear, your equipment, your uniform, your head and your heart. That's where you got to be. If all those elements aren't there, then you're a danger to yourself. You're a danger to us. And we're not going to serve the community that we're supposed to be there for. And that's a, that's a pretty weighty obligation to put on somebody every day for 20, 30, 40 years. And, and not expect to, uh, the machinery not to break down from time That's to time. Correct. That so is correct. This is maintenance. We, we do preventative maintenance on our fire apparatus. Start doing it on your firefighters and talk to them about stuff. You have, have those difficult conversations. You don't want to get everyone's business. But at the same time, when they bring it to you, you know, and, it, and you do have to take it to that level and say, okay, hey, look, you know, brother, sister, there's, there's EAP, uh, Employee Assistance Program, that might help you. They may or may not want to do that, or they can look outside like some of the programs that Rick and Eric are talking about. But either way, you know, I don't want that person to have harm come to them, their family, but they have to be part of their own process. Also, you know, I can't do it all for them. I can guide, but to say, hey, you know, I'm going to force the door for you, but you, you're not going to go through it alone. And that's what I think some of the folks are afraid of, that once once the officer touches that base, and it's to me, it's like checkbox command, and I'll get off my soapbox. Oh, yep. Touch that base. Check on the on the command worksheet. And then they wash their hands of it. Now, you know, this, this is your family. This is your crew. This is your department. And each and every one of you don't know what they're battling. They might have a smile on their face, but every sure. single person, everybody, I don't care who you are, is dealing with something, you know, big, small, real perceived. They're dealing with it. So it's to me, it's that situational awareness. Go back to just like what Rick was talking about. I'm so glad you said that because that analogy has popped in my head as well. But, you know, be that lieutenant with the proverbia, not that, that that person's any less or any less experience for coming to you. You're there to guide them. You're there to mentor them. And you're, you're there to you know, basically run interference for them and say, you know, no, no harm will come to you today, brother. And if, if it does, I'm going to be there with you. That's simple. Sadly, it's one of those to to get the officer in that mindset to train them, to have them prepared for that. That comes from above. If you don't get that order from above, it ain't going to happen. Because it's like one of those, how do you know what you don't know? The officer's going to go, oh, you mean that's part of my responsibility too? Yes. I can tell you wholeheartedly, the men and women that I see typically don't have a problem at work. It's their days off where there is no structure that they have problems with, you know? And, and if we can't help teach people about that, it's a problem. I, I started taking stuff out of our book, like segmenting and, and meditation and uh, reading and things that resonate and learning how to utilize meditation for mental rehearsal and incorporating that. I, I, I used it for, you know, Groundhog Day for this virus thing that we got every day is the same, you know, and it's like people are like fed up with it. And, and now you're getting tested. Yeah, you're being tested. How are you studying? How are you preparing yourself for the test? You, you keep doing the same I almost said it. You keep doing the same thing over and over again. You're going to get the same thing over and over again, you know, and, and, and you can't, we can't, if we don't set the example and explain, listen, 
if you keep doing this, if you keep doing A, you're going to keep getting B. If you're trying to get to C, then you got you to do something different, right? And it's the same way with forcing a door. What do we teach them? Different techniques. This is how we start. If that's not working, finesse it, change it. Use the other side. Create a gap. Set it. Force. You know, do, we, we teach them how to do things. We teach them about sounding roofs. We teach them all these techniques. It's the same stuff. It's the same methodology. It's a different direction. You know, but what you're talking about, bro, that's that's a big deal. That's a big deal to to really empower our officers. Um, and what that the first step that has to occur now is you got to quit testing on short term memory and rudimentary stuff. And you need to do non-cognitive testing because what you're trying to do now is you're trying to glean the people that have personalities and characteristics, moral character to be able to attain that kind of thing. Those people that will do the right thing just because it's like, oh, it's just the right thing to do, man. You know, well, let's help this guy out. Why? Well, because he's struggling. You know, uh, that's not so common. Most of the time it's screw him. He got himself in it. Let him get himself out till they're the ones in it. And then they're like screaming and yelling, hey, no brotherhood in the fire service. Mm. Shut up. Mm. Shut up and show up. You know, that's like it says, right? Give in, give up, or give it everything you got, man. Can't believe we've been here for an hour. Holy crap. Right? <laughs> we, we were talking the other night how fast this goes, right? Uh, boom. It's nuts. it's nuts. So with, with us being at an hour, let's go ahead and kick it around. We'll do our closing and our final thoughts. So Trevor, you want to go first? Sure. Um, Eric, Rick, all you guys, thank you so much for being here. Just, you know, sharing the love and respect for the fire service and putting the message out there. I think uh, what you guys are doing, and I know there's a lot of people people like you out there in the fire service now, just not enough. Um, you know, please keep making the push. And you know, really nothing but love and respect for you guys. Thank you for being here tonight. And, uh, you know, I look forward to this conversation continuing. This, is, this isn't an end point. This is the beginning. So thank you guys very much. Appreciate it. Bobby? Yeah, I, I really, really appreciate you guys coming here. And and one thing for, for everyone listening or tuning in, uh, you know, Trevor and I were teaching out in Alaska, I think it was last year, um, and they had a meet and greet with the instructors and the students and things like that. And, and I never, uh, there was an instructor that asked a question of everybody in the room. He said, you know, with all the things that we do and see and the stresses that we all see you know what keeps you going you know what what keeps you going in the fire service you know and it it kind of resounded with me because i had gone through my problems only a few years before that you know what i mean so i kind of like a oh, bam it, it made me really think kind of deeply about it and the bottom line is because it's worth it you know i mean yeah we're all going to come out of this a little different that's just the way life is man you're going to come out of this different if you're in the military if you're in a police department if you're in a hospital you know these wonderful hospital care workers that we have going you know you're going to come out of it different than when you went in. It's just kind of the, the it's just part of the game that we do, but damn it, it's worth it. Cause when that eight year old in flannel pajamas needs you to go down that hallway, it's damn sure worth it. Or that 55 year old man has that heart attack it's damn sure worth it. So, you know, the thing is get the help, reach out for help, do what you need to do to keep your head on straight because it is absolutely worth every single day of the fight. In my 32 years, every day has been worth it. Um, and I, I, it will be that way until I retire. So thanks again, Rick and Eric. It's awesome having you guys here. And I, 
we could probably do this for another 10 nights, to be honest with you. You kind of get uh, yeah, I can do it. I got the coffee in me for it. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd never go to sleep. <laughs> oh, you want to take it, take it next? Uh, I just want to say thank you. I, I had a blast. Uh, I love talking about this stuff. I, again, I could do this for 10 nights as well. I like that we're, we're talking about it. I mean, I think that it's, you guys are hitting a lot of key points that stuff starts up on top and we get set examples. And I think solely we will change the culture. I mean, a lot of the stuff we are doing well. I mean, we are a family. So it's a we, you know, we're going to get out of this together. And, uh, I think the two main things is we're starting to talk about these things. Ignoring problems does means it's not going to go away. Um, so we're attacking, you know, the crisis, but also like Rick's, you know, dedicated a lot of his, uh, um, work towards his resiliency. I mean, we're, we're preventing a lot of things from happening. So I think it's dealing with the things. It's okay to talk about it, you know, and cause we realize that evidence shows that by ignoring it doesn't work and to try to prevent the next one. And, uh, I think like Rick said, we're trying to, trying to make sure we're healthy in all facets. Uh, of the human, you know, and uh, the spiritual, like you said, is a key component. So thanks for having me. And it's a pleasure being on here. Thanks, Rick. Cool dude, bro. I don't care what Ben says about <laughs> you. Bro. Come on, man. Hey, and, and anybody that's tuning in late, we, we it took us 45 minutes to get Bobby to be quiet long enough so we could have a conversation. <laughs> got quiet as a mouse over there. Um, so there's a, I got an analogy for you. Um, uh, storms don't reveal uh, storms reveal foundations it's not the time to develop them so how have you developed your storm and prepared yourself for your foundation to be exposed what is your foundation you know we call them paper champions when guys go to youtube and they see something and oh they know everything about it but they haven't done the hands-on right so learn how to meditate mindful meditation learn how to control your breathing develop motion, emotional maturity Learn how to tackle the spiritual defaults that you've got in your life. Uh, speak openly and honestly. Say what you mean and mean what you say. You know, don't be a jackass. You know, try to live your life in a way that that not just everybody else, but that you would be proud of. You know, and those are just some jumping off tools right there. After you go from there, it goes up another level. That's just the foundation, the beginning of the foundation there. You know, there's a lot involved in this. So I'm going to shut up, but it has been awesome and great seeing you guys. Damn it, Ben. Where'd you get that shirt, bro? Hey, man, goodwill. <laughs> I like it. Goodwill. You can't go I like it. I know right. it. I, I, I almost wanted to put yeah, my mask go. on there. There you go. Put that mask on. There we go, baby. All right. There we go. I was going to give myself a Latin wrestler name when I came on and put it under there instead of Rick, but I can't. What, sure it, what would it be? Ben will throw something yeah, out what, there. What right was there. it, Rick? What's, what Real quick, it? what would it then? El Wapo. Blair, you got to remember him, right? <laughs> El Wapo. El Wapo. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, as we wrap things up here, thanks again, Eric and Rick, for joining us. Trevor and Bobby, it's always a pleasure to, to get to chat with you guys. Um, as always, for everybody that, that tuned in tonight, we really appreciate you watching. We hope you guys got something out of this. And, um, you know, if, if it's anything like like Rick wrapped up, be honest and open, talk about it. You know, we're, we want to see you succeed. And that's not just us. That's everybody. Okay, that's your leadership team, too. Whether they address it, whether they look at it, they want you to be successful. 
and you should want yourself to be successful. So take care of yourself. All right. So we got um, some slides here. We're going to click through real quick. Again, big thanks to special, big special thanks to Eric and Rick. So thank you guys. We appreciate you again for coming. There will definitely be uh, a give it all you got session two. Uh, yeah, you do. So these are some some information that that we uh, took or that I took from um, most of it. I got off of the Ocean City Peer Support website, which you see at the bottom there. Um, but September is uh, Mental Health Awareness and Suicide Prevention Month. So if if you guys do need some information or you do know somebody or or something comes up and you need to talk to somebody, you're not sure who to or, or how to go about it. There are some phone numbers for you. All right, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The Safe Call Now runs 24-7 uh, for the, the career brothers and sisters out there. The Center for Excellence, uh, which was uh, started and funded by the IAWF. Uh, I believe that's over in Prince George's County, Maryland. Uh, there's their phone number. If you guys do want more uh, support information, uh, the Ocean City Peer Support website is phenomenal. They've got a bunch of great resources on there. Uh, so please visit that website. And what I'll do is I'll put a link for this uh, link for them on our Strike the Box website as well with the um, with a link for the, the video. Here's some stuff that Rick has been working on. Uh, the FHE Health, the Florida Shatterproof Program. So there's the link for them. Uh, definitely go check that out and, and take a look at those guys. Uh, again, talking with him Sunday, uh, the program that they have there is phenomenal. Um, and as you guys saw during our conversation, Rick is a phenomenal human being. Um, so... Definitely go check that out. There's his book, Developing Firefighter Resiliency, uh, that he wrote with Bob Carpenter, Dave Gillespie, and uh, and Rick. So if you guys are interested, grab that. And then the the last thing up here that we have is the challenges for the firefighter marriage. Again, this is just another book. Uh, we we had mentioned it during our our test run on Sunday. Uh, that's written by Ann and Mike Agliano. Mike was a career fireman in Seattle for I think like 23, 24 years. Uh, and talks about how they made that firefighter marriage work. Um, so it, it's got some really great stuff in there. Uh, so if you guys are struggling with that kind of stuff, please go check these resources out. I'm going to scroll back up. So there's the the national uh, those phone, those phone numbers. That website again. That website will be on the Strike the Box website. Uh, there's there's Rick's program, the Shatterproof in Florida. And then as we as we move forward, if you guys aren't following us, strike the box on, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There's our website. So if you do want to go back and check us out uh, or any of the links, um, and we had one of our viewers ask if we could post um, some SOGs or SOPs on peer support, which we're going to try and get. We're going to put that on the website as well for you. As always, if you have any questions, please feel free to shoot us an email, send us a comment, send us a Facebook message, whatever you can, whatever you want. And then coming back October 1st at 7 p.m. again on Facebook and YouTube, Lieutenant Steve Hoovenin with the Wilmington Fire Department. Uh, we're going to be talking about some issues that they've had in some of the um, at, at one of their fatal fires uh, where they lost three firemen. Uh, so we're going to talk about that and how that incident has um, how it affected him and and how he's moving forward with mentoring his new members. So holy cow, we're really far away. There we, there we go. That's better. So once again, thank you guys for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you got something out of it. Um, don't be afraid to reach out. All right. You're not, it's not worth it. Reach out, take, talk to somebody and uh, get what you need. All right. Until next time, everybody stay safe and take care and have a good night. <laughs>